We're going, um, having communion this morning, therefore I'm up here a little early to, um, to preach, and then after I preach, we'll have communion, and then we will um, uh, we'll finish by celebrating with worship in that process. But we're going through a series called The Church, What Are We? There's metaphorical statements all the way through the Word of God that says this is what the church is, and if you just look at the top of your notes, you will see where we've been traveling the last couple weeks. We are the bride of Christ, which is a picture of our relationship with God. We are a new humanity, which is a picture of our culture. We are God's field, which is a picture of God's method to grow his kingdom. We are a family of God, which is a picture of our position. We are a flock, which which is a picture of our mentality. (laughs) Yeah, all the sermons are on the internet. You can go to that one. It's really interesting. But uh, today we're looking at, we are the body of Christ, number one in our notes. This is how the church functions. It's a picture of how we are supposed to function. Now, I have an iPhone, and I know how to use it, but I have no idea how it functions. There's a lot of hardware inside behind the the screen of the iPhone that it is doing something, and it is working, and I expect it to work every time I pick it up. I have no idea how it functions. And the interesting part about that, if somebody explained to me, this is how an iPhone functions, they'd be speaking a different vocabulary. In other words, well, I still don't understand how it functions. I still don't understand even what those words say to try to describe how it functions. Well, we have a God who's extremely large. We have a God who created this universe by speaking things into being, a God that we cannot even comprehend into our mind, but the Bible wants us to comprehend him. Therefore, he makes pictures, metaphorical statements saying, this is what I am. And then he sends Jesus, a human being, the word made flesh. This is what I look like. This is my personality. This is my character. This is what I love. This is what I hate. All through Jesus, we can see exactly what God looks like. When it comes to the church, the God, the Bible wants us to understand how the church should be functioning, how the church, what the church is, and how the church should be working. Now, remember, we have a divine God that's way over our head, and we don't understand a lot of things. So he'll just make a statement that says, okay, let me tell you how the church is supposed to be functioning. Function like a body. Oh, I don't understand that. Well, we do understand it because we know how bodies function. And we understand how bodies function. We can open up Scripture, and it just shows us how to function like a body. Not a gathering, but maybe like a body. Let's look at Scripture. Romans 12, 5 says, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to others. It calls us a body. If we are a body, one thing that we are not is we are not a club. Because there's a difference between a club and a body. Let's describe a club. We'll kind of look at a picture of a club. Let's call it Weight Watchers. What takes place? Weight Watchers is a club, and everybody gathers one specific spot with one specific goal in mind, one specific mission. And what is that? That is to lose weight when it comes to Weight Watchers. So there's a large gathering around one thing that everybody has in common with a mission, with a goal that they look at. They say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. We want to lose weight. And friendships are established inside of this club as they gather together. Golfing. There's golfing clubs out there. Yesterday I was at men's breakfast. When I was at men's breakfast, people were trying to convince me to golf. 
I wasn't convinced. <laughs> uh, golf test is my personality. Golf test is my patience, and I'm no good at it. So I know you're not going to convince me. But there's people that are centered around golfing. So golfing is the center. They gather around, say, hey, let's go golfing together, and relationships are built in the process. That is what a club looks like. Is the church a club? Is a church a club where we come and we gather um, around Jesus and uh, we talk about Jesus? Is that what the church is? We're not a club. We go much further than being a club. God calls us a body. A body. Well, what does that mean? It means that we are an identity. We are an identity that when we come, we're not just gathering around Jesus. We are something much larger than that. What's the difference between an identity and a club? Identity is a being, and a club is a social gathering. We are a being with Christ being the head, moving us, the body, for a direct purpose. Much different than a club. An identity is a movement, not just a gathering, not just coming together and talking. Identity is a movement. So we're not coming to church just to talk about Jesus. We're coming to church to be like Jesus. We're not coming to church just to talk about the Word. Hey, let's just have a conversation about the Word. We're coming to the church to be driven by the Word. It's much more different than a club. We're coming to church with an expectation because we're an identity that is being created in the process of us gathering together. When we come to have fellowship, we're just not coming to have fellowship. We're coming to bring ministry to people. We're coming to grow each other. We're coming to build each other into this identity. This is what it means by saying you are a body, the body of Christ. You're not just a gathering that comes here with no specific, just a purpose. You're a body that gathers here to be changed, to move, to work together, to walk together, to speak together, to form together, to function together. That's what it means to be a body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. What happens if you lose a part of your body? Uh, when I was logging, I wore uh, cork boots, were not very comfortable, and I ran consistently all day chasing logs and hooking them onto a helicopter. And by running all day, we worked 14, 15 hours a day, I had great blisters. My feet were, I wouldn't even call them blisters, more torn up. In other words, my feet would kind of rip open, then the, then the pus and then also the blood would actually wrap around my socks, and then when I peeled my socks off, I peeled part of my flesh off. And it's like, ah, I don't like to lose flesh, a part of the body. If we go to Weight Watchers and somebody doesn't show up, we really don't care. <laughs> But if we are a body and people that come to church are now disconnected with the body, it's a different ballgame. Why? Because we are a part of each other. We are the body of Christ, a part of each other. We do care when we lose somebody. We do care when our children would step away. We do care about it because we're something much more than a club. We are a body. Ephesians 4.12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Number two, if we're a body, we are to function with Christ being the head. Now, again, we're talking about 
a divine concept and how God, the divine God, powerful, beautiful, majestic, glorified, wants the church to function. Sometimes we can't understand how large God is, but we understand how the body works. My head, just talking about my head, owns my body. If my head says do something, there's a response in my hands. If my brain says do something, there's a response in my feet. My head owns my body. My head directs my body. My head makes plans for my body. My head drives my body. My head runs my body. And if I lose my head, then I'm absolutely useless. We understand all that. Here God is describing the church. Let me tell you the position that Christ has in the church. I am the head. If you lose it, what are you going to look like? You ever heard the concept of a chicken with his head cut off? That's what it looks like. Running with no aim, no direction, no understanding, no, just completely lost. And as they look uh, completely lost, they finally die because the head is gone. That's what takes place with a chicken. That's also what takes place with a church. If Christ is not the head, that's how we run. That's how we walk. That's who we are. That is our mission, confusion and everything. Christ said, I am going to be the head, therefore I am going to own it. I direct it. I make plans for it. I drive it. And if Christ is not in the center of it, being the head, then the body's useless. And that's specific to every church that exists in this world. That we can come as a gathering and we can talk about every religious thing that we can think of. But if Christ is not the head that is driving it, then everything is useless. Ephesians 1, 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be a head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Number three. We are to function with all of us using our gifts inside of the body. So if Christ takes the ownership of the head, which he says, I am the ownership of the head, um, there is a connection that we have to God. There's not only a head and then everything works. There's a head that functions something, and what does it do? It fun- makes the body function. It tells the body function. So what God is doing, he says, I'm the head, therefore I'm going to look for some feet. You're at feet. I'm ahead. I'm going to look for a toenail. I'm ahead. I'm going to look for a mouth. I'm ahead. I'm going to look for an ear. Christ drives it all, but it does not do it all. He has given responsibility to us. And what he's doing is he's calling us, you're the foot, you're the toenail, you're the hand, you're the mouth, you're the ears. What are we talking about? He's saying, you're the greeter. You're the sound person. You're the children's helper. You're the maintenance. You're the um, laborer. You're the preacher. You're the Operation Christmas Child person. You're the person that is a heavy giver. There's dynamic, dynamic pieces of the body. And God takes ownership of the head, and then he reaches out to all the dynamic pieces of the body to say, I want it to function as a unit like a body functions. Therefore, take the responsibility because I have planted responsibility inside of you, the body, which is all of us, planted responsibility and gifted each person a specific way so the body would function in complete harmony, so the body would function with strength, and so the body would function with endurance. But all of it has to work together or it's not going to function. 1 Corinthians 12, the body is a unit 
Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smelling be? Or hearing be. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? At it, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. We're not a gathering that shows up talks about something, and leaves. We are a gathering that shows up and creates an identity, and the identity is Christ to a lost world, where they see the head of Christ and the body declaring the head of Christ. This is what the church is run by. Number four, we are function in complete unity. The body consistently functions in unity with one direction. When my head speaks to my arms, one arm does not go one different direction than my head says, and the other arm goes a different direction than my head says. They speak whatever my head speaks. This is where we go. This is how we work. This is how we function. If Christ is going to be the head and has given us his word and say, here's the word. This is the simplicity of the gospel. I died. I rose. I'm your savior, and I want to direct your life we can feed off of his words and go that specific direction. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. So that there should be no divisions in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. What's equal concern for one another? Making sure that the gospel, the head, is given to everybody. The gospel is not only given, but it is driving, it is encouraging, it is presenting, it is building. The gospel is doing everything in every part of the body. And that is the ultimate concern of the body for unity. Number five, we are to function by having a greater focus on the weaker, indispensable, and less honorable parts of the body. This is the opposite way that the culture tells us how to function. Some people are in the church, and let me ask you the question, do you feel like you are less gifted Do you feel like you are less able? Do you feel like you're less capable? Do you feel like you're less worthy? Do you feel like you're insignificant? Do you feel like you're unimportant, inadequate, or ungifted? When we talk about clubs, when we talk about groups, that is the dynamics of what takes place in groups. You have the leader, you have the rich, you have the poor, You have everybody that's in the group, and what we do when we walk right inside the group is we often just just start discriminating in a sense, oh, where do I fit inside of the group? It's what happens when we come into a group. If God is calling us a body, he's saying, wait a second, we're not a group of trying to figure out where we fit into a group. We are a group all in one plane for the purpose of making the entire body move. And if you're going to do that, You must, 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 must go after every single person. Go after every single person and make sure that they are walking with the body. There's not an insignificant part and there's not a significant part. 
There's just parts. And what the Bible says, it says go after the insignificant parts to make sure that they feel like they are not not gifted. They are not not able, but they are people that must be in the body and function with what God has given them. Read you a story about a Naval Academy um, individual that was shot, shot down in Vietnam. His name was Charles Plum, and I'll just read the story to you. Charles Plum, a U.S. Naval Academy graduate, was a jet fighter pilot in Vietnam. After 75 combat missions, his plane was destroyed by a surface-to-air missile. Plum injected his parachute into enemy hands. He was captured and spent six years in communist prison. He survived that ordeal and now lectures about lessons learned from that experience. One day, when Plum and his wife were sitting in a restaurant, a man at another table came up and said, You're Plum. You flew, you flew, fight, uh, you flew jet fighters in Vietnam from aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk, and you were shot down. How did, in the world did you know that? asked Plum. He said, I packed your parachute, the man replied. Plum gasped in surprise and gratitude. The man pumped his hand and said, I, I guess the parachute worked. Plum assured him, it sure did. If your chute hadn't worked, I wouldn't be here today. Plum couldn't sleep that night thinking about that man. Plum says, I kept wondering what he might look like in a Navy uniform, a Dixie cup hat, a bib in the back, a bell-bottomed trousers. Wondered how many times I might have passed him in the Kitty Hawk. I, would have, um, I wonder how many times I might have seen him and not even said, good morning, how are you, or anything else, because you see, I'm a fighter pilot, and he was just a sailor. Plum thought for many hours the sailor had spent on a long wooden table in the bowels of a ship, carefully weaving shrouds and folding the silk of each chute, holding in his hands each time the fate of someone he did not know. Was that person significant or insignificant? 1 Corinthians 12, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. This verse is probably one of the most strongest wisdom verses you can possibly imagine. Here's how God grows his body. Don't take the parts that are glamorous. Don't take the parts that are wonderful. Don't take the parts and say, these are the best. Because if you take the parts and say, these are the best, and then we put others in categories, these are not significant, what happens? The body can't function. The body doesn't move. The body does not grow. Instead, what God does is, He says, this is what I want you to do. I want all the strong parts to do only one thing. I want the strong parts to focus on the parts that are not yet part of the body. I want the strong parts to focus on the parts that feel insignificant in the body. I want the parts that feel like they are significant in different positions to make sure that they're scanning areas within the body of Christ. People that said, I can't do it. I shouldn't do it. I don't know if I'm capable of doing it. Go after them and tell them, Their position is needed because the body will not function unless they fill the position. 
when it comes to a body, all the pieces must function. I can preach a sermon, but if the microphone goes out, I'm no good. We can uh, um, preach a sermon and everybody can come to church, but if the toilets aren't clean, there's a statement that is made to the person that walks in that is brand new and says, oh, the toilet's not clean. What's the, what's the deal? What's this church even think about? What is this church even concerned about? Does this church even care? You see, all the pieces are so significant for the body, and they must all function in complete harmony and all be done. So what is the challenge? Here's the challenge. Number six, be a faithful part of the body. We are a body, and the body functions, and if it is not functioning, the body is struggling. We lose a thumb, we lose a finger, we lose a hand, we lose a foot. We understand that we are going limp. It is not easy and it is a mess inside of the body. That's the same way. Therefore, all of us must be faithful to be a part of the body of Christ. There's one thing, word, that drives most people. And the word that drives most people is the word successful. The word successful should be a cuss word. And I think if the Bible said, though, this is a, a, a cuss word, I think that that would be one cuss word that would be in the in the Bible. And the reason why it's such a a horrific word is because we gravitate to success and we pull away when we don't think that we are successful. Men are very strong with this in their marriages. Wives often think with men, and I'm not discriminating, but wives often think with men, how come my husband does not invest into me? How come my husband does not invest into my children? Well, often in a man's mind is he will always travel where he's successful. And if he goes and he fails, what does he do? He starts to pull away and starts to migrate in areas that he can find success. And he walks into his business. And when he walks into his business, what happens? Money is coming in. Everybody respects him. Everything's taking place. He walks in and he feels successful. It's in his job. So he walks to his family. I don't feel successful here. And then he starts to build his identity feeling, I am successful there. This is where I'm going. We are driven by that word, success. And we propel towards anything when we think that success is not going to take place. If I'm going to fail, I'm not going to do it. Success is a big word that drives us. Success is not a word in the Bible that is used. There's another word that says this is what should drive your life. And that word is faithfulness. We need to replace the word successfulness with faithfulness, because everything hinges on faithfulness, not successfulness. Because if there is success in your life anyway, or in your ministry, where does the success have to go? It has to go to Jesus. Therefore, he is looking for his body, people, not to be successful, but people to say, what do you have? This is Christ talking. What do you have, and are you faithful with what you have. And if you're faithful with what you have, I will bless you for being faithful. God does not look at his church and say, are you successful? Can you be successful? And if you can be successful, I will bless you. He doesn't work that way. The word that he works with is faithful. And even through scripture, you see that we are blessed by faithfulness, not blessed by successfulness. And he blesses us in regards to faithfulness, not necessarily successfulness. Here's a a parable that Jesus spoke of that talks about that. Matthew 25, again, 
It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money. Five talents is a lot of money. Five talents, money is a, a position. Money is power. Money is, is prestige. Let's just call this person five talents. I've given you five talents. You're the preacher. In other words, you're up here. You're in front of everybody. You're speaking. Preacher, five talents. To another he gave two talents. The difference between five talents and two talents could be difference in position. Yeah, it is a difference in position. Could be difference in responsibility. Yes, it is a difference in responsibility. So let's call this person the one who cleans the toilets. And then to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. So you have two people. They got two different talents. And at, as the master left, he said, I want you to take care of those talents and see what you're going to be faithful with what I have handed you. But when he comes back, listen to his words. Then the man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, I have entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. I've given the responsibility of a a preacher and I've invested it. And what I've done is I've gained five more in the process. What does the master said? Master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Those are words that every person wants to hear. Somebody else walks down. The man who had two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. I cleaned those toilets. See, I have gained two more. I'm invested into doing it. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Those are the exact same words as he said with a person with five talents. The exact same words that he said with a person with five talents. It is not successful. It is not positional. It is not the area of prestige. It's not the area of powers when it comes to the body of Christ. It is the areas of being faithful, and are you faithful with what you have would be the question. That is how a body must function. So three steps to faithfulness. How do you, you tell me to be faithful to the body of Christ? How do I be faithful? Go through these rather quickly. Number one step to faithfulness is get connected with Christ. Remember what you look like if you do not have a head. Picture the chicken with his head cut off. You're wandering aimlessly with no mission, no purpose, no value, and shortly you will die. The first thing you must do is get connected with Christ. Well, how do you get connected with Christ? Reading the Bible every day is the perfect start to get connected with Christ. When you open up the Bible, what do you see? You see Christ's personality. You see Christ's passion. You see Christ's heart. Next thing you should do is you should pray. Open up the Bible and praying is a process of, God, I want to get specifically connected to you. You talk to me and I'm going to talk to you. What's amazing is whenever we talk to God, you see him work. Whenever we pray, you see God move. Whenever we pray, you see us change. Next thing, if you want to get connected to Christ, come into church. We cannot walk through this journey together without each other. God has said, you are a body, therefore, yes, connect with me and connect with my people and function likewise. That is how we connect with Christ read the Bible, pray, go to church. I want to be faithful. This is the first step to be faithful. It's the next step to be faithful. 
Next step to be faithful is to get connected with people in the church. Many people come to church, and they come, they receive, they walk out, but they don't know anybody. They're not connected with the body of Christ. They're not working with the body of Christ, and that disconnection is not healthy for them and their walk with Christ. Faithfulness is to be connected with the church. How do you be connected with the church? Seek people out. We have one individual that came about eight months ago, and this individual was extremely aggressive. He calls me and says, I'm going out to lunch with you. Will you go out to lunch with me? And I'm sure enough, go out to lunch. And he went out to lunch and says, this is what I want to do. I want to do this, 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 I want to do this. And I said, okay, do it, because that's how JBC works. All right, I've I known you for eight months. Eight months is long enough. I can see it. Just go for it. Sure enough, what is he doing? He's teaching one of the discipleship classes. He's uh, working with people. I'm talking with individuals. I'm talking with our worship leader. I could talk to him every week in a meeting. He says, oh, yeah, I went out to lunch with that guy, too. I'm like, you went out to lunch with this guy, too? Yeah, yeah, Steve Anderson. Yeah, he, I went out to lunch with him. I talked to somebody else. And this other person said, Steve Anderson asked my father out to lunch. And it just makes me just excited that somebody wanted to ask my father. You see what's happening is somebody showed up to church and said, I am going to connect with this body, and this body is not going to function without me. And the aggression has taken place. But the aggression must take place in us. Seek groups out. Open up the bulletin, on the back of the bulletin. Pastor D has got a group almost in every single area, one in Kaiser, one in South Salem, one in Lebanon, one in Albany, one in North Albany, one in South Albany. All the groups that are taking place. Wanting to get connected with the body, if you want to be faithful, it must happen. You have to search for it. You have to seek it out. Another way to get connected with the body is to be in the greeting ministry. You ever been to a public school? In a public school, when the bell rings, the halls are filled with children. And there is movement, there is voices, there is loud, and you look at all the kids and say, it looks like a beehive moving from class to class to class. Did you know that those kids going to school, 40% of them, are lonely. They are completely lonely. And if you ask them, say, how do you feel? It's like, I feel like I don't know anybody. I feel like I don't see anybody. How could you be lonely in a school of 700, 800, 1,000, 2,000 people surrounded by everybody, but yet we're lonely? How does that take place? The way that it takes place is the only way not to be lonely is an aggression from you, is aggression to connect with the body is a connection, is an aggression to be part of the body and be part of people. So as members in the church, we, we wait for people to come to us, but we can never get connected. We will remain lonely only by our aggression to other people that we can find non-loneliness. Letter C, this would be the first um, ends of faithfulness to say, I want to be faithful. Use your gifts. What is your gifts? Try them out. Try them out with ministries that you can do. Let me tell you a ministry that um, I think everybody is capable of. It took place last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, we built trunks and we had a whole bunch of candy, and you had two requirements that needed to be on your resume a big smile and good candy. And when everybody, people walk by, you just give them both. And what you do when you give them both, we had 1,600 people walk through the doors or walk through on our property of the church. What gave them both is it completely blessed the people that are walking into this unit or walking onto these church grounds. It doesn't take much to 
find your gifts. It doesn't take much to see what your gifts are. Just taking those little steps to finding your gifts is a great way to do it. And then another way of how to use your gift, find a ministry that you're gifted in to be used. I said the one that you're gifted in, but you don't even need to be gifted into it. If uh, you have a ministry that you would like to get plugged into, just get plugged into it. But we're part of a body. We must be all plugged into something. And then the last one, meet with a pastor or church leader. We want to plug you in. Pastor D said he'll go out to lunch every single day if you pay. (laughs) Yeah, that's why our pastors, you know, grow. Many pastors do. But I'll just tell you that that's the invitation. There's nothing better than a pastor sitting in front of somebody, nothing better for a pastor than sitting in front of somebody that says, I want to get connected with the body of Christ and I want to grow the kingdom of God. Oh boy, it's good. Longing to hear that from people. Starving to hear that from people. Therefore, I encourage you to take that that invitation if you're wondering how to get connected with the body. JBC functions different than most churches. If you show up here for one month, your job is to get connected. If you're here for one month, it's time to go to work. We're the body of Christ, and we have people that are lost in the world, and you have people that are lost around you. It's our goal to get you plugged in into their lives. We're going to take communion, and as we take communion, we have the the elements that are up here on the front. We encourage you to come down when the worship band starts to play. Um, Come down. There's going to be about 10, 20 minutes Um, process where music is going to play to take communion. There's also tables in the back. We encourage you to go back there if you do not want to come down to the front. But the challenge is, is that whenever we walk up to the communion table, we are directed to make sure that we think about Christ. Think about what? This is my broken body when you eat the bread. This is my blood that is spilled out for you. First thing I want you to do is I want you to think about Christ when you come there. The next thing I want you to do is I want you to say, God, make me a faithful person to you because you are a faithful God to me. encourage you to do both those things when you come down and take communion. Father, we just uh, thank you, God, that you have given us this amazing grace, amazing grace that uh, overshadows um, all our our weaknesses, all of our elements, all of our areas that we uh, feel like we're not successful in. God, I just thank you, God, that you have poured your grace upon us and you desire to work through us. God, as we take the cup and as we um, eat the bread, I just pray, God, that as a church body, as individuals, that, um, that uh, we will praise you for what you've done. But we will also, God, commit to you, God, to be a part of what you've done and to be a part of your body. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.